Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. There is a word that some people use in kind of a negative sense that I have to admit I don't view negatively at all. And maybe this just sort of makes me weird or, you know, not classy or, you know, not sophisticated. I, I, I don't really know. But the phrase I'm talking about here is hot take. There are some people when they use that phrase, it sort of drips with disdain of, oh, it's a hot take, you know, or like basically mocking. Like, you know, anybody who, uh, you know, would kind of gravitate towards hot takes, they must be, you know, unsophisticated or whatever else. And, you know, I don't think it's a bad word. I mean, listen, when you speak into a microphone for a living, you kind of hope your takes are at least hot enough, I guess, to to get the attention of some people. And admittedly, when you kind of pushed for hotter takes, eventually you may say something really ridiculous. We've probably been guilty of that from time to time. But even when it comes to the kind of content I consume, Sometimes I'm sort of seeking out hot takes, and sometimes I want good hot takes. There are weird moments in which I want to kind of find the worst hot takes I can find. You know, it's just there's just something about the college football conversation, which is obviously what we center around here, where, you know, the hot take part of this is just sort of fun for me. And when you start thinking about Saturday's game, I'm noticing something that I've seen a little bit before. And I don't know if you've noticed this. But this is what I kind of describe this. So in the world of sort of college football hot takes, and in some form or fashion, we're all a part of this, whether it be me hosting a show or you on Facebook or you on Twitter or you in a bar or wherever you are, everybody wants to have the loudest opinion when it comes to college football. We all are. you know. And in this particular case, whether it's a profession or just a pastime, we all kind of want this. And so here's what I'm noticing lately, and tell me if you think you've noticed that as well. I'm kind of noticing what I call double barrel hot takes. In other words, it's sort of two takes at once. And I think this is done in theory because, hey, that's twice the take. Therefore, it's twice as hot. But if you really think about it, a lot of times these takes kind of cancel each other out. And I think that leads to some weirdness. Let me give you an example. Then I want to talk about Georgia-Tennessee. The Tennessee-Alabama game, I think, was a game in which you saw a lot of double barrel hot takes. Like you had one person sort of firing this way saying, Boy, Alabama's not what they used to be. And simultaneous to that, you had the other barrel of the hot take. Tennessee's the greatest team of all time. Like, that's the, that's the double barrel hot take that came out of that game. Alabama has really slipped. Tennessee's better than anyone ever has been. But if you really think about that for a moment, I realize that logic has no place in sort of college football hot take world. But if you really think about this for a moment, like, wouldn't those two opinions cancel each other out? In other words, If Alabama has slipped as a program, and maybe they have, we'll find out more against LSU on Saturday. But if Alabama has slipped as a program, then how would beating Alabama prove that Tennessee is the greatest team of all time? And if Tennessee is, whoa, there's unstoppable, greatest team, certainly of this year, greatest team of all time. If that's the case, then maybe Alabama losing to Tennessee is not the kind of thing they have to apologize for. You sort of see what I'm getting here on this is that there is – a little bit of a canceling out of those two opinions. You may fire them at the same time. Alabama's down, Tennessee's way up, but both those things could not be equally true at the same time because they would be somewhat dependent of each other. And I think you see a version of that for this Saturday's game there as well. Like on the one hand, the one barrel of the hot take is this is the biggest game of all time. But on the other hand, somehow one of the participants in this game, Georgia, somehow isn't any good at all. I mean, if you listen to a lot of the stuff we've heard on the internet thus far this week, Georgia ain't got no defense, ain't got no offense, ain't got no fans. Like, that's kind of what you've heard here thus far this week from a lot of pretty prominent voices. We're going to give you a reminder of some of this kind of stuff here coming up in just a moment. But once again, you're kind of left to to wonder, well, if that be the case, if Georgia's defense sucks, the offense isn't any good, if the fans aren't, you know, passionate, then how come it's a big game? Like, if, if all those things were true, then wouldn't that make the game not all that big? Like, if, if it's so obvious that Tennessee's going to win on Saturday, which some would have you believe is the case, then why is the game even big? And then maybe you're kind of left to say, oh, well, maybe the double-barrel hot take here is, is that because the game is so big, therefore voices that sort of do this for a living or voices that just sort of do this for a pastime that just want attention – Maybe they sort of feel like I have to have my hottest take imaginable for the biggest game ever. Maybe that's sometimes what the the double barrel hot take is all about. Now, if you're just kind of joining us, maybe you've been out of the country, maybe you've been doing something else. 
you're kind of like, well, BA, where are you kind of getting all this from? Well, let me give you kind of the most recent example here, and then we'll kind of remind you where this fits into all the stuff that's been talked about. Because as I've told our video audience before our show began today, I'm a fan. This is a fan-oriented show. We do a fan-centric conversation. And yet I'm also hopefully a little bit self-aware, and I totally understand that the easiest trap for any fan to fall into is the trap of, well, so-and-so media hates my team. Nobody believes in my team. Everybody's down on my team. The idea that it's us versus everybody. That's kind of the easiest trap to fall into. And it's not really a trap, but it is kind of a cliche. And we don't hopefully try to be too cliche. Maybe sometimes we can't help it. But if we can be a little bit different than just the sort of regular conversation that's taking place other places, obviously that's what we'd want to do. But boy, I got to tell you something, y'all. And we've been doing this for a minute around here. I have never seen a narrative around Georgia the likes of which we've seen this week. And it's seemingly coming in every direction, about every phase of the program. I said it before. I ain't got no offense. I ain't got no defense. I ain't got no fans. And I just think that's kind of remarkable. There was a story to ESPN.com uh, this week quoting some anonymous coaches, kind of breaking down the big game. Uh, a few folks kind of shared some of this on social media. I want to show you an example of this about what's being said about the Georgia defense right now. There's a guy named Wes Jackson on Twitter. This is where I saw this. He kind of took a little bit of a snapshot of one of the quotes and put it out there. And his caption says, ESPN is just handing out free rat poison to Tennessee like it's candy on Halloween. And here's the quote. I won't be surprised if Tennessee scores 50 points, one coach said. Georgia's front average. They're back in below average. They really miss William Poole. No disrespect to William Poole. I have liked William Poole for a long time, remembering as a part of the class of 2017. I did not quite have how will Georgia replace William Poole on my bingo card, though, for the uh, Georgia-Tennessee week. But nonetheless, this anonymous coach goes on to say, I don't think their corners are special. The Keeley Ringo kid, he doesn't run nearly as well as you'd expect. The others are just okay. They're going to run right by those corners. So Georgia's going to give up 50 points on defense, according to this anonymous coach, who is so successful in his career, instead of coaching in this game, he's somehow acting as a source for an ESPN.com story. But nonetheless, that's what a, a supposed coach says about Georgia here in this game. Now, if you're a Georgia fan and you hear that, I think you're left to say, well, gosh, this coach must be smart because supposedly he's a coach who's prominent enough to be quoted by ESPN. I guess if Tennessee is going to score 50, well, I guess the Georgia offense is going to have to score 55 if we want to come out here and win this game on Saturday. I guess there's going to have to be uh, more than 100 combined points to give Georgia a chance to win. But bad news on that, Georgia fans, because much the same way ESPN.com quotes a coach as saying that Georgia's defense is so below average it's going to give up 50 points. You've got SEC Network analyst Jordan Rogers, who says that as bad as the Georgia defense may be, the Georgia offense is even worse than that. You heard this yesterday, but here's Jordan Rogers again. Stetson Bennett, and and here's why I like how well he's playing. And look, and I'm a guy that thinks that everybody was talking. I, I think he Me was too. a liability for most of last season, honestly, until the very end. But they don't have much talent outside of Brock Bowers. When you really look at this roster, and I have a little nugget that I threw out last week, that it has now been 27 quarters since a wide receiver has a reception of longer than 30 yards. Mm. And when you flip on the film, the reason is nobody's getting open. They don't have speed on the outside. And Stetson, I think, does an unbelievable job at using his eyes to manipulate defenders. So if you were scoring at home, Georgia defense ain't got no talent. Georgia offense ain't got no talent, according to uh, Jordan Rogers there right there. And – even if the Georgia offense somehow miraculously were to find some talent or the Georgia defense somehow miraculously were to be able to find some talent, even if that would be the case, playing at home for Georgia doesn't do the program any favors because Georgia also ain't got no fans, according to Tennessee quarterback, former Tennessee quarterback Eric Ainge. Now, I've dragged this clip out 7,000 times this week, but once again, let me show it to you on the screen what Eric Ainge said a little earlier this week about all that. Playing between the hedges is overrated. Not that loud, definitely not intimidating. It's nothing like playing in Neyland Stadium. Vols will be just fine in Athens. So, y'all, i got to ask the question again. 
if the Georgia defense is below average, as the ESPN coach says, and on its way to giving up 50 points, if the Georgia offense is so lacking in playmakers that Brock Bauer is the only guy of note, if the Georgia fans are so passive and quiet and docile that Tennessee's just going to march in here and do whatever it wants to, why is this a big game? Like, why is this any different than Tennessee-Kentucky? Like, what makes it a big game if Georgia is so bad on both sides of the ball and if their fans are so inconsequential that Tennessee has nothing to worry about? Or maybe is this an example of the big game requires the hottest take and all of a sudden somehow everybody has decided that Georgia should be on the receiving end of some of this kind of stuff? And let me show you one more thing that I think is kind of interesting. And I shared this on Twitter yesterday, and uh, so help me, you know uh, – when you bring up stuff like this, sort of open up Pandora's box here a little bit. But there is a uh, a sports book called uh, it's basically MGM. It's the MGM Grand, and they own a lot of uh, other you know kind of offshoots, whatever else. And they put out some information yesterday. Now, admittedly, if a sports book is giving this information, you've got to be a little bit skeptical about it because if it was helpful information, they wouldn't give it to you. But nonetheless, it's another data point here, which kind of speaks to a lot of people right now believing what the media is selling on all of this. Georgia, once again, to use bad grammar, ain't got no defense, ain't got no offense, ain't got no home field advantage. And guess what? The public right now apparently is lapping all of this up. Let me show you this tweet here from MGM Grand, uh, BetMGM. It's a sportsbook owner. Um, They say that right now 90% of bets at their casinos and 94% of the money nationally is on Tennessee plus eight against Georgia on Saturday. 95% of bets, 98% of the money in Tennessee is on Tennessee because uh, sports wagering is obviously legal in the state of Tennessee, and you can bet via apps there on, on that. So nationally, according to BetMGM, it's 90% of bets, 94% of money. Uh, in the state of Tennessee, where they operate, 95% of bets, 98% of money. Now, in the world of Wall Street, this would sort of have the feeling to me a little bit of a pump and dump. <laughs> it's like uh, Tennessee has been pumped up. The public has bought in. And on Saturday, there may be a lot of folks kind of wondering, were we sold a bill of goods here? Were we told something that, that somehow didn't actually match up with reality? Because isn't it interesting, based on all of the stuff I just said, ESPN coach saying Georgia's defense is terrible, Jordan Rogers saying Georgia's offense is terrible. Former Tennessee quarterback saying Georgia's home field advantage is terrible. You can find other prominent voices who are also showing some skepticism of Georgia. It leads to a question. I'm not asking this rhetorically. I'm asking this legitimately. Well, how come Georgia's still an eight-point favorite? How come Georgia's still in excess of a touchdown favorite, which is obviously a key number in gambling? Is there a chance that maybe somehow, some way, somebody knows something here and they're not saying quite what they know? Or maybe is there an example here that the noisy conversation of how impressive Tennessee's been and all these exciting wins, that maybe there's more to the story than that? I think Georgia fans believe that's the case. And I think Georgia fans know that Eric Ainge is wrong when he says the fans won't create a home field advantage. We know the opposite of that is true. And frankly, I think the Georgia defense, hopefully they've had this fed to them. Some idiot somewhere who's unsuccessful so much that he's forced to be nothing more than a trollish source in an ESPN story thinks you're going to give up 50 points on Saturday what are you going to do about that Jordan Rogers thinks the Georgia offense has no playmakers whatsoever he's putting his own name on that that's not anonymous he's putting that out there himself Georgia offense what do you plan on doing that I think Saturday is going to be an indication of all of this. We believe that Georgia is obviously far better than the way they've been described thus far this week. And we believe all of this is about a certain level of energy of a Georgia program last year that looked like it was on the verge of taking the college football world over. And obviously, there's a degree to which that kind of change makes people uncomfortable. But we also think that tomorrow could be a continuation of all of that. And it wasn't the brief kind of transition era of Georgia making way for the Tennessee Volunteers. No, it's a continuation of all that. You've heard us say, go for two and 22. We believe that's a mission that Georgia justifiably can be on. We think that can continue there on Saturday. No much, no matter how much the haters may say it's not going to happen. 
My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are presented today by Kroger, and we are glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, as a podcast, wherever you can find them, including the world-famous DogNation.com, Apple, Spotify, everything else in between. Just really happy to have you here, and obviously, a lot of emotion here today, big game there on Saturday, and... Just can't wait for it. So excited about all of it. Looking forward to big day of game day coverage tomorrow. But obviously trying to help you uh, get ready for it here right now and kind of pass the time between now and 3.30 tomorrow. We're trying to do our part on all of that. And by the way, this month, a bunch of great things going on with our friends at Kroger, including how about the uh, the Kroger Chef Junior? This is a great experience. A guided kids cooking uh, opportunity where kids can be a part of the food preparation process, learn more about the ingredients that go to make delicious food items. It's a really cool thing that Kroger does for you and your family. And this month, how about festive fall muffins? That's the item that's being made here. And it's a, it's a great thing. It's just $7 per child. It takes place tomorrow and then uh, on uh, November 12th there as well at select Kroger locations. Now, it's a 30-minute class, and for $7 per child, you're going to get an apron and a patch, a chef's hat, a recipe card and box, and a mini muffin pan. So you can enjoy all that today and find out more about this, KrogerChefJr.com. That's the website, KrogerChefJr, spelled out J-U-N-I-O-R. KrogerChefJr.com for a lot more on that. All right, we're going to get Jeff's intel in a moment. we got some very serious business to get into with Jeff. A gigantic recruiting weekend, the likes of which has not been experienced before. And I hope you're planning on getting into the stadium early on Saturday. But one of the things that is really cool when you do is you can kind of watch. This actually kind of plays out in front of your eyes here. You can watch the way in which the the recruits have their chance to experience all this they have the really cool section that's kind of like right there in the west end zone right where the players run out but they also have that opportunity to kind of come down on the field and I, I love the way in which and listen I give the students at Georgia right now a lot of credit you know over the course of the last few years I think it's been the Georgia students who've done such a good job of setting the standard of what the feeling is like inside the stadium and this stadium's going to be cranked up early. Fans going to be, you know, students in particular are going to kind of be in there and kind of getting the vibe going. And I just love that big game feel. It's almost like I grew up loving boxing. You know, like the big fight feel when you're in Vegas. Or not, I mean, you, or at least you have the, the, the theory in your mind of all the celebrities are coming out and everybody's kind of getting around the ring. And there's just kind of that buzz in the air, that big fight feel. I think that Georgia does a really good job of kind of creating the big fight feel before a big game like this, where like the celebrities, in this case, the recruits and the music's uh, going and Sir Foster's on the uh, ones and twos, I guess they would say. And the um, the whole thing is just a great, great vibe. And so when you get there early tomorrow, you can kind of see a lot of this sort of playing out. We'll talk to Jeff Sintel about exactly uh, what all that is going to be. Before that, though, it's around the doghouse and it's presented today by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. Now, let me go 100 miles in the opposite direction of where I was before. So off the top of the show, kind of mockingly looking at, I mean, a lot of legitimate criticism coming the way of Georgia this week, which would make you wonder, well, why is this even a big game if Georgia's so lousy and if the fans are so, you know, uh, you know, inconsequential to a, to a game like this? What makes the game even big if Georgia's this bad? But I told you, there's also pretty quietly here, um, a pocket of people somewhere that seem to know something because Georgia has remained a sizable favorite all week long. So I thought as a way of kind of counterbalancing some of the negativity that's out there, it might be nice to get a reminder here. Brad Nessler will call the game tomorrow for CBS Sports. And we had Brad on the show last week. He also called the Georgia-Florida game. Uh, and when we concluded our interview last week, we kind of did a little bit of a look ahead to Tennessee and kind of looking at where Georgia sort of sits with Florida, the team that Georgia was about to play last week and Tennessee coming up. And, you know, the evaluation, this was last week, the first time Georgia had been on CBS here this year. So a play-by-play announcer like this, doing a lot of homework, seeing them for the first time this year, talking to the coaches, talking to people kind of, you know, around the country about what they think about Georgia. And I thought it was very interesting to hear from Brad Nessler, you know, what do you think of Georgia right now? He obviously did them a lot last year, leading to a national championship season. But how about this Georgia team right now? How do they compare to last year? In your mind, this was Nestler on our show last week. I think they might be better. Um, they don't have, you know, they don't have 15 guys that are going to be drafted into the NFL. But as far as they, their offense and how they mesh and how they move the ball around, I think not having a superstar, not having – uh, you know, AD uh, out there is kind of a game breaker. It just makes Stetson that much better. It's what he's really good at doing is spreading the ball around and going, you know, where the defense kind of leads him. 
and you know they've thrown it to 20 different guys i guess that you know the running the ball well maybe not as dynamically as as you know last year with zeus and and cook um but i mean they're getting it done they're scoring more points they're giving up less points uh their balance is incredible um you know they rush for 200 a game and throw for way over 300 a game so um I just think they're playing really good team ball. I I I don't see superstars out there where I can just go, wow, that guy's the best guy in the field. There's not a lot of those unless you look maybe at Brock Bowers. I think that Brad Nasser says two things right there that are really interesting. And I think that if you want to understand why there is this sort of spirit of negativity around Georgia, especially as it's kind of amplified by the media, I think you might get a little bit of understanding here. What Nestler says at the end of that comment is Georgia's playing really good team ball. Now, we saw a year ago that team ball is a very good recipe for success. The Georgia defense may be the greatest of all time, but no one guy stood out over the rest. You had the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. You had the Bednarik Award winner, who's, you know, by by definition, the best defensive player in the country. Uh, you had N'Kobe Dean, who was the Butkus Award winner. You could go on and on. You had five first-round picks, and yet not any one of those players was more important than the other. Georgia used a team concept to win the national championship. But if you watch football games on television, here's what you kind of understand. You can't sell team concept to casual fan viewers because casual fan viewers can't remember 11 different names. Here's what you can sell to a casual fan tuning in to watch a game on television. C.J. Stroud. One name to remember, likely Heisman Trophy winner, that's all you need to know. Or Hendon Hooker, kind of much the uh, same way. One name to remember, that's all you need to know. One name, one superstar, sells better on television. Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, million years of evidence support this point that Georgia playing team ball isn't great for television. And so therefore, some in the media might be a little happier trying to uh, sell something else. That might actually be the case there. And the other thing that Brad Nestor says, which I think is really, really important as he makes the case for why this year's Georgia might be better than last year's Georgia and why some might think that's bad news. He says, listen, say what you want. They're just getting it done. They're, you know, what do you say? More points per game this year than a year ago. You know, defense kind of holding its own here right now that somehow, some way they're just sort of getting it done. Are they as fun to watch as Tennessee to the average observer, to the casual fan? Probably not. Even Georgia fans would acknowledge the Tennessee-Alabama game was thrilling. It was so entertaining. But what is it evidence of being better than Georgia? I would say that game alone doesn't prove anything. We'll find out more about that tomorrow. But it's easy to understand that for a lot of people, it'd actually be really good if Tennessee was better than Georgia and if they were a lot better, it'd be even better because that's just simply more fun to watch. But Kirby Smart, it's not his job to entertain people across the country. It's his job to stack championships. And he's got one in his back pocket already, and tomorrow he could take a step towards getting himself another one, and Dog Nation's going to be on hand to uh, watch it there as well. That is Around the Doghouse. It's presented by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. And you've heard us talk all week long about the importance of a home field advantage for UGA. And for you, you kind of understand your own version of home field advantage. Uh, The place that you live, it has meant something to you, but maybe it's time to kind of create a new home field advantage somewhere else. Maybe there is something to be gained by a move. You can get closer to people that you love. You can get closer to a job that you love. You can get closer to a future that you believe is a possibility if you could just be living somewhere else. Well, Berkshire Hathaway Home Services believes the best time for new beginnings is right now. And that doesn't come simply on the basis of like a residential uh, home purchase or selling a house that you, that you need to sell. It's about more than that. You know, how about a home-based business that you've had where, hey, things have been kind of going well and, you know, it's been kind of nice. But maybe it's kind of time to take that next step, storefront, commercial location. When it comes to your commercial needs, Berkshire Hathaway Home Services can help you on that. Or, you know, I think one of the most important decisions you can make is that decision to become an investor, to kind of take a uh, active hand in your own financial future. And I think there's really no better way to do that than when it comes to real estate investing, whether it's a buy and hold or buy and flip, whatever that might be for you. Once again, the experts at uh, Berkshire Hathaway Home Services can help you on all that there as well. Truly, they believe the best time for new beginnings is right now. And they can hear your story, talk about your next step and set you up for whatever's next for you and the real estate needs 
that need to be met to make that a possibility and a reality, our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Service can help you with that. So find them online, bhhsgeorgia.com. That is bhhsgeorgia.com. All right, before we're done, one of the many celebrity Georgia fans has weighed in here for Saturday. I think you'll like this. And we'll give some of that to you here on our program. We have a good collection of golden shoes as people have turned their uh, attention squarely on Josh Heupel and these Vols. We'll have some fun with all that there as well. But for now, it is a historic day on the field. I believe the biggest game that's ever been played in Sanford Stadium. It's meaningful in that it'll be the first game at Dooley Field since his passing and obviously honoring the life of Charlie Trippy tomorrow there as well. Two great legends who will be remembered uh, fondly as Georgia plays this and every game uh, from now on. And on top of all of that, it's probably the largest collection of elite recruits uh, that Georgia's ever hosted. We know that because Jeff Sintel wrote that earlier this week for DogNation.com. So let's find out more about it as we go on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So Jeff Sintel joins us here on the road. This is by AAA, and it's obviously a massive day for Georgia on Saturday. Uh, so many elite recruits on hand for all of this. And, you know, Jeff, I want to get into a lot of these names with you, but um, I, let me do two things before we get there. You know, first of all, Jeff, you know, you have a little bit of a perspective on all of this because you've been around, you've been to a lot of games, you've grown up here in the state of Georgia you know, what does Saturday mean to you? Not just from the recruiting part of that. I want to get there. Trust me, we will. But um, just the day itself, what does Saturday mean to you? It's kind of everything. Uh, I mean, Brandon, I can remember being a wee lad, being on um, going to picture day, I guess, in the state of Georgia. Uh, back when they had that, uh, I can remember a lot of things uh, going up to Athens Town. I think I just get the sense that this weekend is really steeped in history, and it's not just because of one versus three or one versus two or one versus one or whatever any really cool promo teaser wants to slice it. I mean, this is one of those games that, uh, regardless to how the teams unfold for their seasons, this is historic, and it's not just historic because of a simple college football matchup, which would be enough, a big enough entree for sure. Um, I think it means something to me that uh, you've got this history happening before our eyes when we should definitely bow our heads and soften our hearts and think about the history that has went through, that, is, that has touched our lives over the last week with Coach Dooley and uh, Charlie Trippy. Um, I, 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 I must admit, I thought it was pinpoint perfect how Georgia put the signatures of the these two men in the end zone. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I sure wish they could just stay there for all time. I think that would be so cool. Um, but, you know, it's not just a football game. Uh, it's not just a recruiting event. I think we're literally walking through some history uh, for the Georgia football program because, man, I, I did the research like for this four weeks ago. The last time two top five teams uh, of this caliber, I'm talking uh, uh, two versus three here or a one versus three now, the last time that happened was 1942. 1942, Brandon. I, I've written this line a couple of times. It's the clearest way I can say it. It might as well have been 1492 to you and me. That's yeah. how long ago that was. And it just really feels like history to me, man. And I think one of the things that if there could ever be like a Netflix documentary on this, I, I, I really wish we could see more of this. And I was telling our audience before you joined us that if you get there early, you can actually watch some of this play out before your eyes. But you also have to kind of use your imagination for the part you can't see. The The logistical challenge of being Kirby Smart on a day like this. Now, listen, he's not doing it all. And frankly, he's capable of doing very little of it because he's the leader of the organization the organization works both of the on-field variety and the recruiting variety you know tentacles sort of stretch off from from you know in every direction here but can you imagine the challenge here and I know people think well gosh Kirby makes 10 million dollars a year Jeff it's days like this when you do make 10 million dollars a year because if all you do is recruit and don't prepare for the game you lose the game but if all you do is prepare for the game and don't really take you know, full advantage of the recruiting opportunity here. You lose out on the recruits. They don't feel like they had love shown to them. They end up going somewhere else. Like the capacity 
as a leader of an organization to manage a day like this really, really well. I just don't think you can put into enough words how challenging that is. You've got Samuel Mpemina. We'll get more into the names here. But just to use him as an example here, this is a five-star recruit taking his official visit to Athens this weekend. This is the Saturday of his official visit. You don't think he wants some time, FaceTime, with these Georgia coaches? You don't think he wants to be feel like that he's you know loved and well taken care of and that he's wanted? Of course he does. Any official visitor would want to feel that way. This is not a you know stop by and say hello. This is an official visit. And yet Georgia's also playing, as I've said now many times, the biggest game in Sanford Stadium history. How does anybody succeed at getting ready for both those things at the same time? Just using Mpemba here as an example, this is why it's very, very difficult to be a head coach and why top-level SEC coaches, national championship-level coaches, this is why they make $10 million because most people simply don't have the capacity to do both those things well on the same day. Very well said. I think um, the brilliance here in Kirby Smart's time is I think every moment is accounted for. Every minute is kind of accounted for. That's why when I saw him last week giving noogies, I think was the term. I had to look it up to his son in the, the stadium at TIA Bank Field. Uh, he was enjoying that with his young son, Andrew. Uh, I'm going to tell you, Brandon, I know, why, I know how Kirby Smart manages it because he doesn't make it about this one day. He's managed this game as best he can with tremendous recruiting over the last four years. He's going to manage each of these individual relationships. Here's something I don't think I've ever really put into words here that I think is one of the most impressive things about the way Kirby Smart leads Georgia on the recruiting front. Um, I'm going to tell you, everybody's going to expect the 2023 recruits to all feel like they have a connection with Kirby Smart. Uh, that's currently about 20, 25 uh, prospects in the, in, in the country. Those are the committed guys or the guys that are maybe leaning towards Georgia really hard. It's a given that all 25 of those guys are going to have a connection and relationship with the Georgia head coach. I'm going to go on, go on and say and a connection means you hear from them every other day or every day or you, 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 there's continued investment in that relationship. I'm going to say that there's probably 50 young men outside the class of 2023 that probably feel that same way, that they have some sort of relationship or a connection there uh, with the coach at the University of Georgia. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he maximizes his time like this simply for the fact that he loves recruiting. He loves to recruit probably as much as some folks that are watching and listening right now like to breathe. Uh, and that's why Georgia is so such a special program. Uh, and I think that, you know, here's another little cool little insidery wrinkle here. Um, Brent, I don't know how they do it, but a lot of these big names, like for instance, Peyton Woodyard is a great example here. Uh, not the kicker, Peyton Woodring, who's committed in the 2023 class, will be there. But Peyton Woodyard, who's a cousin to Kyle Hamilton, he's from California, Brandon. This visit to Georgia has been planned for weeks, maybe even months. He's on an off week this weekend uh, with his, with his uh, St. John Bosco team. And uh, he's going to come in on Friday. So a lot of this is going to be like scheduled landings and takeoffs at Hartsfield. It's going to be, he's going to open up a window where he can give some more of those recruits some more of his time. Uh, and he's doing this with, I mean, I put the list up on, I put the list up on Tuesday, Brandon. It was, it was already unquestioned. People can talk about Notre Dame, night 2019. People can talk, if they're really leaned in and know what they're talking about, they can probably talk about Mississippi State 2017 or Auburn 2016. Nope, nope. Brandon, there are already 25 stars. And I don't mean five-star in some weekly reader or one fringe poll or one fringe service, maybe an ESPN, maybe an on three, maybe a Rivals, maybe a 24-7 pure rating. No, I'm talking about the composite, which was still around five years ago when those games were taking place in 2016 and 2017. There are already 20 confirmed five-stars, composite five-stars, going to be at this game. I think the previous best I've ever dug up or recorded or maintained a database of was 12, and then another two became five stars afterward. So we're clearly into uncharted territory here for Georgia. So let me – I'm trying to figure out how we can kind of process all of this. I guess let's talk about it this way. You know, a lot of times we see visits like this be kind of a furtherance of a relationship, furthering of a relationship. But talk to me about who tomorrow has a chance to be a, a kind of a game changer for. Like Devin Hobbs comes to mind here, the defensive lineman, or obviously Mpemba, who has seemingly been in good – you know, standing with Georgia here for quite some time, you know, could tomorrow kind of seal the deal with a guy like that, you know, kind of tell me who tomorrow could be 
really the tipping point that actually leads to a decision? Are there names that come to mind if I ask it that way? I think it's more of uh, what's going to be a foundational moment of player recruiting. And, and, you know, for Brandon, you know, I'm going to go all the way down to the 2025 class with the, the number one player in the country that's going to be there. Brandon, I've written about him already. I don't usually write about 2025. I wrote about him this summer when I saw him. Uh, I think he's got, he's, he has number one pick potential. I think he has he can be a five-star as a defensive lineman. I'm talking about David Sanders Jr. This is his first time to see Georgia. I think this is the first moment where he can, a player like David Sanders Jr. can fall in love with Georgia. And I think that's just as important as guys like Damon Wilson this weekend and Samuel Impemba this weekend. I know uh, short attention span theater, they want to hear about the guys that are going to – this is going to be – the bolt of lightning that hits Georgia, that, that hits this young man between the face, and he decides he's a bulldog. You know, Georgia has a chance there with a lot of guys. They have a chance there, um, not just reinforcing guys, but, you know, Damon Wilson is a big visit. I think Samuel and Pemba is a big visit. Davian Hobbs is an intriguing visit simply for the fact that he's got a lot of other schools on his mind. Um, he hasn't visited Georgia since the summer, but Georgia does get his last college visit of any time of any type before his decision in a couple of weeks um he's an official visitor um and you've got anthony evans brandon that's an oklahoma commitment uh that wide receiver certainly georgia needs those uh i think deandre moore is a guy uh, from st john bosco as well suddenly all of a sudden peyton woodard was telling me about this this weekend you've got ernest green from uh, st john bosco already on the team at georgia uh, you've got Peyton Woodyard and DeAndre Moore visiting this weekend. One's a junior, one's a senior. All of a sudden, it's not, it, doesn't, it wouldn't take a huge moving of the mountains here to see Georgia all of a sudden with three players from St. John Bosco eventually, maybe even on the roster. You know, DeAndre Moore is, is, is visiting this weekend. He's committed to Louisville. Uh, Woodyard told me, Peyton Woodyard told me this story. And he's like, what in the world would happen with how I feel about Georgia already? If I look on that roster and I see DeAndre Moore already going there and uh, maybe in Ernest Green already there, and Brandon, the context here is amazing. It's, it's, these are folks in California and not commerce, which is crazy. Yeah. And you've got this all up and down the all up and down the list. You've got the number one running back in 2025. Brandon, basically, people that have just listened to our recruiting just now, I'm going to tell you about something they used to call the opening. And the opening was something where they bought, brought all the best players in the country there. Nike gave a lot of swag. They had like a regional combines all around the country. And, and I don't know if we would get 35 stars at one of those events. And Georgia's going to have 25 stars just here for this game. I think the logistical puzzle, the logistical Tetris for me is who you give front row treatment to, who you get second row treatment, tre- treatment to. You're going to need to double-decker those bleachers eventually in the west end zone, the way Georgia keeps recruiting. Um, and there's so many guys like this that, you know, Georgia seemingly is pretty okay at receiver now, but uh, could always get better in this class. But, you know, Yazid Haynes, a special receiver uh, out of Pennsylvania that I think Georgia found another diamond in the rough there. He's going to be there. Doogie Miller, a guy that's never been to Georgia but's committed, uh, never been to Georgia for a game that's committed to Georgia. He's going to be there for the first time. But, Brandon, the entire 2024 class, Georgia is literally trying to – state claim and ownership rights like these are deeds to mines in tombstone mm. arizona back in the day because i think they've got the number two four seven eleven thirteen seventeen i mean there's so many guys uh, ellis robinson the fourth is the guy the number one corner in the country in 2024 he's going to be in town this weekend i don't know how you would ever prioritize but georgia will find the most efficient and the most kirby swap smart blessed way to do so and i know they'll do it exponentially well all right let's kind of uh, zero in on some of this a little bit you mentioned like you know who gets to sit where whatever else who gets a better seat tomorrow among running backs jeremiah cobb or justice haynes mm, that's a great question i know i know your answer brandon uh i would think it would depend on if justice Haynes is bringing uh, caleb downs with him and he's rolling with his buddy like he always has this year then all of a sudden that's a different different picture i think i think i think jeremiah cobb is a guy that you want to put in the first three rows uh, and I think they go seven across each side, so you have possibly uh, 42 potential seats there to squeeze in a four-star running back. But in another one, I'm going to tell you, and I don't write this yet because I, when I write something, people get all crazy and they start 
Clutch and Pearls, Quay Rousseau and Jane Smith are going to be there. And, and I feel like this is not exactly 100% accurate, but it's pretty close to the mark. I think there's a little bit of smokescreen going on right now with maybe how much Georgia is not in it with Quay Rousseau and, and, and Jane Smith. Mm-hmm. I think um, two five-stars, two five-stars from the state of Alabama, two five-stars from Montgomery that clearly state they're going to go play at the same uh, institution together. You hear a lot of Florida. You hear a lot of Alabama. You hear a lot of Auburn with those guys, uh, so to speak. But uh, my information is pretty accurate. It's pretty fresh this week. I don't think anything has changed between Georgia and um, both of those young men, Mr. Smith and Mr. Russo. So much to the point when Georgia had their open data a couple of weeks ago, Georgia spent most of the day watching, recruiting, visiting uh, with both of those young men and their family with multiple coaches. So that tells me that, you know, maybe what you read on the Internet behind paywalls is not totally accurate about where Georgia stands with both uh, Quay Rousseau and Jane Smith. Not saying that there's secret commitments or silent commitments or anything like that, but I'm saying, Brandon, those are two more five-stars, two more immediate five-star visitors in the class of 2023, that there's so much going on here, and it, it feels like, you know, trying to keep up with an entire section of fans in Sanford Stadium where you want to try and find a great picture, but they're, they're literally 25 really juicy recruiting storylines this weekend. And I feel like we've talked about this name now three weeks in a row, but I want to ask about this again. So your reporting tells us that Damon Wilson is going to be there, the five-star edge. And, Jeff, you know that, I guess it was, what, two weeks ago now, when we were talking about this on this show, the entire internet thought that Ohio State had sealed the deal for Damon Wilson. There's no shortage of rumor mill stuff related to all that. You can go back and find that. People can see it on social media, see it on message boards. You can see whatever you want. Well, since then, we saw the video the other day of Kirby Smart, you know, you know, watching Wilson play in person. And if you're watching a video, you can see that right now. And now you got Wilson back on campus here for this game. Is this a free meal and a free trip? I guess not a free trip because he's you know got to pay his own way. But um, is, is this a is this a uh, sort of a tourist uh, thing? Is he is he uh, just here for a good time? Or is this an indication that the big push here late has got Georgia back squarely in this battle with the Buckeyes for Damon Wilson? Yeah, I think they've been in the back and forth. Here's the curious thing, Brandon. It's going to be listen. Damon Wilson's – I can already write the ending to this story. Damon Wilson's going to have a great visit this weekend. Georgia's going to move up into his, in his food chain a little bit. Georgia's attraction is going to get even better. I, I don't think, Brandon – I think people might need earmuffs in Stanford Stadium. Hat tip to Eric Ainge uh, this, for this weekend. Um, I think it's going to be bonkers. I think the excitement will be better than the Notre Dame excitement no matter what time the kickoff is. Now, here's what's the key point here. You know, we, we had thought that Damon Wilson was done, uh, that he was not going to take any other visits, especially after his last visit to Georgia where he took his official visit. Um, and then Ohio State goes and visits, and then Georgia goes and visits. And now he's uh, coming back to Georgia for another unofficial visit. Uh, Georgia will not disappoint in all those areas this weekend. Now, will that be the final visit, or will he feel the need to go up for Ohio State, Michigan? All these are really good points, and I think Wilson's – decision is going to come is going to become so splintered and so day-to-day and so much down to the wire that he might just eventually be at a point where some recruits reach where they're just like i'm just gonna make an announcement i'm fine with either one of them i just can't keep going back and forth and going going back to the going back to the mattresses so to speak and trying to figure out the differences and the pros and minuses uh between both of these schools terrific pass rusher i mean brandon it's, it's crazy like literally five-star samuel and pimba in town on an official. Five-star Koi Russo uh, uh, in town on another unofficial. Five-star Damon Wilson in town on an unofficial. Brandon, I think that's four of the top five. That's three of the top four edge rushers in the country. All in the same stadium, all at the same game in November. That just doesn't happen, man. All right, I want to ask you one more thing before we let you go. Before that, let me remind folks, this is On the Road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel. And, of course, I'm driving around a bunch this weekend, high school football tonight, heading to Athens early tomorrow morning 
and I take AAA with me everywhere I go, and you can take AAA with you there as well. Not just that membership card for roadside assistance, though. I'm talking about insurance products there as well. In fact, you can switch and save your auto insurance with AAA right now. The roadside experts, they've been insuring drivers for actually more than 100 years. they got a 93% satisfaction rate, so they're definitely doing something right. You get great insurance at a great price when it comes to our friends at AAA. So give them a call. 833-718-2075. That's 833-718-2075 to find a branch near you. All right, Jeff, just quick summation of this. I'm going to ask it to you this way. You mentioned Cobb. We talked about Evans, the Louisville commit. Give me an idea of some committed elsewhere products that uh, Georgia has a chance to, to really make a big case for tomorrow because there's at least three that I just mentioned right there. Yeah, I think those are the the, the the names to look at. You know, Brandon, it kind of feels like Georgia is really back in the thick of things there with Evans. Uh, and certainly the bloom is still certainly very much on Georgia's season compared to Oklahoma. Um, the firepower, you know, the way Georgia will throw the ball to have to win the game uh, on Saturday, that will be appealing. I think DeAndre Moore is the guy that's committed to Louisville, but I don't know whether it's it's quite out there yet that you know he's very open to a flip or looking to a better situation. Um, he's a guy that could be an X, Y, and Z receiver, uh, specifically a really good slot or an X as well. Even though he's only about six one, no, Brandon, that's a number seventy five overall receiver in the country. I think he's number seventy two. Um, Cobb is a guy that's very interesting because I think he's very loyal. He's a guy that's really committed to to what was happening at Auburn. He told me point-blank period that if Brian Harson stayed as the head coach, he would stay as a committed Auburn Tiger. And now he even feels that, you know, even that even if Cadillac Williams remains on the staff as his position coach, then uh, he would really give Auburn a really good shot. Um, you know, this is one of those things where Georgia and Cobb is going to get very interesting. I don't think Justice Haynes uh, being in the stands, I think that I'm going to take him at his word that it's more of a visit family connection to Hobnail Boot. Uh, more so than Georgia getting back into that thing there. Um, I, I think those are the ones to really look at. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you if, if you, if you folks, if you good people take, I know this is a huge conversation. It's really hard to get your arms around it. Uh, the thing that's really going to matter for Georgia, whether it's closing for Impemba, it's closing for Wilson, it's the flippage that could happen with all these other names. Those are very big storylines. But I think another key point, is they could really just set the set the hook in the mouth, so to speak, uh, with most of this 2020-2024 class oh, yeah. that has most of these five stars in there, Brandon. And this is one of those. Listen, here's a good point. A lot of this is just happens every year in cycles. A lot, there's a seismic moment for every recruiting class. For the 2017 class at Georgia, a lot of that the players knew when they attended G-Day. Uh, before that season. A lot of the players knew they were going to be dogs then. Uh, 2019 Notre Dame, the atmosphere there, when they brought, dropped the red lights on everybody, a lot of the players knew eventually they were going to be dogs then. There's that feeling that they have after the first visit, the first time they walk down Sanford Stadium and into the belly of Sanford Stadium where they just know. And some of that is just, just kind of going through the motions. I would probably expect a Jordan Big Baby Hall to try and find his way to Athens this weekend as well if he possibly can. Um, and Brandon, I think like the top targets list, I think that's almost all of it that yeah. still plans to be there on Saturday. Um, Jeff, I'll take the Buford guys. Be- Jeff, I'll take the Buford guys alone from the 24 class are going to be there and call that a win. And just give me, just give me those wolves alone from that 24 class are going to be there. That would, that would reverse the rhetoric about <laughs> Gwinnett County and uh, Georgia Bulldogs, right? That would certainly reverse. Brandon would be like, all right, we, we killed that narrative. Narrative, narrative killing 2022. Yeah, between King Joseph and K.J. Bolden and Edric Houston, I'll, I'll take that group alone and, and, and feel like that uh, you're already doing something pretty good. We could talk about it all day, Jeff. It's good stuff. Thanks for your coverage. Look forward to seeing you in Athens tomorrow and obviously reading a lot of the aftermath of all of this there at dognation.com there as well. Thanks for your time. Hey, man, great one. Look forward to seeing everybody in Athens on Saturday. It's going to be fun. Appreciate it. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, good stuff there, Jeff Sintel. Time now to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And obviously, 
when a season like this concludes, whenever it does conclude, we hope it's somewhere in the middle of January, when you build up as much emotion as we do, you got to have a little bit of a letdown on that. You got to be a little bit of a, you, you can't stay this wound up all the time. And so my way of getting unwound is with my friends at Royal Caribbean. I got a couple of Royal Caribbean cruises coming up and I've got one with you coming up in April. I'm also excited about January 2024 when Icon of the Seas debuts. Uh, that'll be the largest cruise ship of the world uh, when it's introduced and it's going to set the new standard for the cruise industry. And the same dedication that Royal Caribbean takes when it makes Icon as fun and special as it can be, that's the same kind of effort they put towards making your cruise vacation wonderful, whichever cruise you're on, whether it be Wonder of the Seas, currently the largest ship in the world. I've got a couple of Royal Caribbean cruise vacations coming up on Wonder of the Seas or Independence of the Seas, which we'll all be on together coming up in April. So just know this, April 24th and 28th, our Dog Nation cruise. Uh, you go to royaldogs.com to find out more about it. We're on Independence of the Seas, leaving out of Port Canaveral, going to Nassau on the Bahamas, going to Perfect Day, Coco Cay. Uh, having some special Dog Nation events to go along with the unbelievable array of dining and entertainment options that Royal Caribbean already provides. And a special travel agent for us uh, has been selected by Royal Caribbean. Her name is Jessica Slater, and she is great. And you can give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. And she'll get you booked up for all of the Royal Caribbean cruise vacation needs you have, including seeing you with us in April on the Dog Nation cruise there as well. All right, let's roll through some of these other games here for a moment. Big action coming in here. Two big top 10 matchups in the SEC. And boy, isn't that funny how ESPN was able to boom, stroke of a pen, create top 10 game between Alabama and LSU. But let's roll through some of these big games here for a moment. We talked about Georgia-Tennessee a lot. That game has kind of hovered here above that key number of seven we are of the belief here that no matter how much money may be currently coming in on Tennessee, the general feeling is is that if you get down to a number like seven, you'd see even more big bets, maybe from what you call edge players, you know, kind of, you know, advantage gamblers, uh, that you might see them coming in even heavier on the number at seven. So that's kind of the game within the game when it comes to all of this. And listen, that's not a you know an exact science in terms of how's, who's actually going to win the game. But as a Georgia fan who cares nothing more than just to see Georgia have more points than Tennessee, whatever margin that means, the fact that Georgia has rested here above a touchdown favorite despite the one-way street of chatter in favor of the Vols, I take some comfort in that, and you know maybe you should too. Alabama LSU I think is really interesting. My pick here is Alabama, and the number is 13. It's on the road. Alabama's been terrible on the road as of late. I think it's 2-7 and seven their last nine against the spread of memory holds on that. But what we do know about Brian Kelly is, and I talked about this yesterday, this is the spot that Kelly has not succeeded in at LSU. He's got this Tigers, I should say, at Notre Dame, going back to his time there. He's had this Tigers team playing better here thus far, but at Notre Dame against the teams the likes of Alabama or a home-and-home against Georgia or you know Clemson, the college football playoff, these are the, games, the, the kinds of games that Kelly typically had a hard time winning and so we think this is too much too soon for LSU right now 13 not a small spread certainly and Alabama uh, has not been great on the road but maybe a still a little sign of life from them maybe some elite st status still left over in that skeletal structure there uh, Auburn against Mississippi State this is not the third biggest game of the week but it's one of the games we're picking on go with the flow simply because it was sort of hard to find out another game that I thought was interesting and I do think interim coach for Auburn at Mississippi State the team that Georgia will see on Saturday next week is kind of interesting part of this is because interim coaches have performed well this year Georgia Tech's one of the worst teams in the country but they were on one twice with Brent Key in kind of that fresh honeymoon phase as an interim coach we saw Charlotte recently win with an interim coach we've seen interim coaches play pretty well Nebraska has been better after firing Scott Frost than they were prior to that and uh, Wisconsin had a little bit of a uh, you know uh, I guess a balance after firing its coach we have seen interim coaches perform well uh, the Auburn coaching staff for the most part with uh, with the exception of the Boise guys they kicked out um, has kind of remained intact here Cadillac kind of the face of that program right now do they show you anything on the road against Mississippi State on Saturday uh, I think it's worth a flyer to say that they might. Uh, Mississippi State has not been impressive to me as of late, so it could be interesting there. Texas-Kansas State, the number's two and a half. I'm going to take Texas here simply for the purpose of preserving what can be a big game in the Big 12 next week as Texas gets ready to take on TCU. Sometimes you may say, well, what about look-ahead spot? In this particular case, I think it's a motivator. For a Texas team that's lost three times, for a coach in Steve Sarkeesian that needs something to build on, 
creating a big game for his fans next week. I think that's probably enough to get Texas to the pay window against the Wildcats here. And then not a top 25 matchup, but a big national game. Clemson going to Notre Dame. Clemson obviously fourth in the playoff rankings this week, to the surprise of some, me included. And i got to tell you, this is the second time within the last three weeks we have seen a very odd point spread related to the Clemson Tigers. They were a small, narrow favor. I believe it was three and a half points against Florida State a couple of weeks ago and now on the road again to Notre Dame team that we've seen high profile lose some really bad games to Stanford, to Marshall. They've lost three times in total. And yet they're only a three and a half point underdog hosting Clemson on Saturday. Sportsbooks here might be telling you what you need to know. Uh, I think the Irish here could be the play plus three and a half. And we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, I've got a fun thing I want to play for you here in a moment uh, that I think you're going to really like. Um, before that, though, speaking of things to uh, like, obviously this is as big a game weekend as George has had in quite some time. And our friends at Pasquale's Pizza want to invite you to flavor up your game day here right now. Now, when you go and use, if you're watching in video, there's the QR code on the screen. You can click into that or you can go to Pasquale'sPizza.com. Or you can go to DoorDash and do this there as well. And you use the promo code GAMEDAY20. You can save 20% off your order right now, Pasquale's Pizza. My family, we actually had this last week. I loved it. Uh, I had the all-meats pizza. My kids, they only like the cheese pizza that we got that. But my son and I split an order of wings. That was great. Also, one of the best appetizers I've had in quite some time, the meatball dunkers. So it's a meatball. And this is not how they would describe it, but this is kind of how I describe it. Sort of wrapped in a breadstick almost. Like a little bit of like a little breadstick kind of wrapped around there uh, with a meatball. You dip it in the marinara sauce. Some people dip it in ranch, I guess, but I like to dip it in the marinara sauce. It's great. I, I really enjoyed that. So if you want to flavor up your game day, that's what Pasquale's Pizza is giving you a chance to do right now. Use the promo code GAMEDAY20. So watch our video, QR code. Listening online, go to Pasquale'sPizza.com. Or you can also order via DoorDash there as well. Game day 20 gets you 20% off your order from Pasquale'sPizza.com. So go ahead and flavor up your game day with uh, Pasquale's Pizza here right now. All right, so one of the celebrity Georgia fans that you may know is uh, our buddy Ray Fulcher, the terrific country music singer. And this is one of those weeks in which if you're a country music fan, not everybody is, but if you are, you better not be listening to Morgan Wallen this week or any of those you know, Kenny Chesney or any of those sort of Tennessee fan country singers. Don't listen to any of them this week. Uh, right now, if you're a country music fan, it's guys like Ray Fulcher you're going to be listening to. And Ray Fulcher's got a very famous song where, and I uh, obviously it means a lot to me. I lost my dad a couple of years ago. And so his song about uh, I love you, son, go dogs is a very, very emotional song for me. And thousands of you feel the exact same way. Hundreds of thousands of you feel uh, the exact same way I do on that. But Ray was on TikTok. Somebody shared this with me. Ray was on TikTok, kind of altering the song just slightly. Now, admittedly, in this clip we're about to play, Ray uses a non-Dog Nation-approved word, but we love Ray Fulcher, so we'll allow him to get away with it. But this is good vibes from a great dog uh, on TikTok here this week. Take a look at this. All right, for Tennessee Week, I thought I might remix my song, Love You, Son, Go Dog. So like it, comment on it, share it if you want to kick Tennessee's ass. Now them boys up on Athens, yeah, you got them playing pretty good ball. But anyway, I love you, Kirby. Beat the Vols. I got to tell you, that's great right there. Ray Fulcher is a terrific, terrific artist. He's actually, uh, in addition to being a performer himself, he's a wonderful songwriter. A lot of the hit songs that you know, uh, he wrote those. You might not even know that he wrote them, but he's a prolific, prolific songwriter. And obviously a great performer in his own right. And Love Your Son, Go Dogs is one of the all-time greats for a lot of us. And uh, to kind of put a little anti-vol twist in that, especially with so many of these country music artists being big Tennessee fans, to have Fulcher sticking up for UGA this week, I'll certainly take that. And uh, that is really good stuff. Also, uh, our big finish here presented by the Finish Long Drink. We love doing this on a Friday. Once again, getting ready for a huge tailgate on Saturday for us. The Finish Long Drink is a big part of all of our tailgates. And uh we celebrate getting ready for the weekend with our big finish to the week here right now. In fact, I want to show you a dog fan enjoying himself some finished long drink. This is uh, really good here. It's Mark Morris saying, I got enough adrenaline running through my veins to overflow these two long drinks. And around 7 p.m. tomorrow, there's going to be enough volunteers, he says, T-E-A-R-S, to fill up Lake Superior behind me. How about that? Look at Lake Superior right there, one of the great lakes. He says, and hashtag 
go for two in 22 will still be alive. Go dog, sick them, let's go. You better believe that go for two in 22 gets you on this show pretty fast. So a uh, good job there by Mark Morris on all of that. And that is our big finish. And by the way, if you want to be like Mark and try some finished long green, go to longgreen.com and do so. You can get one of those eight can variety packs, which is two different cans of each of the four different finished long green varieties. Or you can look on there on the website and look at the different options and say, I want the cranberry. I want the long drink strong, which is eight and a half percent alcohol by volume. I want the long drink zero, no carbs, no sugar. I want the long drink traditional, which is like the grapefruit flavor, the gin kick. We like all of that. You can get all of that online, thelongdrink.com, or better said, you can put in your zip code and find out where you can pick some up. It's at golf courses all around where I live, bars, restaurants, beverage stores. You can try the finished long drink and you will be really, really glad you did. It is delicious. All right. Golden Shoes, and you already know who they are about. You know who they're making fun of, and you are sending them in quite aggressively, which I love to see. So let's go with the first one here. There's a theme emerging among Georgia fans who they believe the Tennessee coach Josh Heupel looks like. Now, I said yesterday, I think the Heupel looks like a Tennessee fan. Kirby probably looks like a Georgia fan. Heupel looks like a Tennessee fan. But also Dylan Hand pointing out that he looks like Bobby Hill from the old show King of the Hill, which I think is probably pretty appropriate. So uh, Dylan pretty good on that. Also, another Georgia fan kind of seeing some of the same kind of stuff. We'll show you the next one here. Daniel Jones kind of <laughs> pointing out the same thing. There's very much a look-alike here between uh, Bobby Hill from King of the Hill and uh, Josh Heupel, which I will certainly allow. Also, more fun being made of Tennessee via the golden shoe here. Uh, McLeese, sent this to me as a Knoxville resident, big dog fan. Never easy this time of year for those folks. Says I had to draw this picture for my coworkers, and it is a dog, Georgia Bulldog, looking very intimidating uh, in response to Smokey and Smokey's not too happy about all of that as you uh, can maybe tell there from that so funny stuff from McLeese and then finally Chris Moore shares this he says here is Tennessee fans arriving in Athens and it's the old Beverly Hillbillies the Clampets and there is definitely a Beverly Hillbilly variety to uh, some of these Tennessee fans and boy they have been out in the woodworks again and it's nostalgic for some of us to be remembered of how much we have disliked some of these Tennessee fans over the years, so uh, pretty good stuff there on all of that. All the attention is on these Tennessee fans here right now, but still a little bit of time to kind of focus in. Much the same way that Kirby Smart has to kind of focus in on the game and recruiting at the same time, we focus in on Tennessee this week. But time to remind you here that in 358 days, victory in Tennessee in hand, we go back to Jacksonville and beating up on those lousy, stinking Gators again, still doing Gatorator countdown even on a day like this, and still reminding you, go for two. In 22, y'all enjoy the game on Saturday. We'll see you back here Monday for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger.